0: A CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... Come in. Welcome, E.G. Marshall. Mystery Bustown argued over what constitutes the most mysterious of mysteries. I suppose there can be no definitive answer, but I plump for the unexplained disappearance. Certainly the question surrounding the how, why, and where of the missing person never ceases to intrigue. For instance, even today, people wonder what happened to Judge Crater, the New York jurist who vanished without a trace more than 30 years ago. I've had it with you, Mr. Smith, or whatever your name is.
1: I'm going to the police, the FBI, and everyone else I can think of. You've already been to the police, and it didn't do you much good. How the devil did you know that? That's beside the point. All you have to do... All I have to do is find the girl I love and come hella high water. That's just what I'm going to (laughs) do.
0: mystery drama, Vanishing Lady, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Murray Burnett and stars Tony Roberts. I'll be back shortly with Act One. Almost everyone loves the hocus pocus that's the stock in trade of a good magician, we're delighted with his feats of Ledger Domain and applaud happily when he demonstrates his skill with, Now you see it, now you don't, and the object vanishes. However, it's quite different when the object that vanishes turns out to be the girl you love. Hey, Lois!
1: Hey, when I proposed to you, I didn't know you were hard of hearing. Come on, open the door. It's funny. Lois? Lois? Well, this is ridiculous. She's got to be home. I'd better check with the super. As I went down to the superintendent's apartment, I was concerned but not terribly worried. I couldn't think of any reason why Lois wasn't waiting for me as we'd arranged. I knew she'd been looking forward to this evening because we were planning on setting the date for our marriage and the place where we'd honeymoon and... Well, we were supposed to have dinner at Adano's, her favorite restaurant. Yeah. Uh, This is Peter Carlson, Mr. Horstman. I was wondering if Miss Free left word with you for me. I
0: do not see Miss Free at all this week.
1: Well, but she said she'd meet me here tonight.
0: Yeah, she'd tell you, but she tells me nothing. Goodbye.
1: I called Adano's on the off chance that I'd made a mistake and arranged to meet her there. But Jimmy, the may-to-be, hadn't seen her either. With a growing sense of unease, I called her mother, thinking that perhaps some emergency had come up with her parents. Hello? Uh, It's Peter Carlson, Mrs. Free. How are you? Oh,
2: just fine, Peter. It's so
1: nice of you to call. How is Lois? Oh, uh, great. Uh, But uh, uh, as a matter of fact, she's the reason for my call. (laughs) I, I think I have a beef with Lois. I, I think she stood me up.
2: <laughs> she's finally come to her senses. <laughs> I've been warning Lois about you for a year.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, Mrs. Free. We we had a date tonight, and, uh, well, she isn't at her apartment. Uh, I thought maybe you'd... Oh, she has to
2: be. She told me you were going to Adano's.
1: Well, I've been to her place, and she's not there. Well, that's
2: strange. It's not like Lois... You don't think something's
1: happened? Oh, well, let's, let's not panic. I mean, there's probably some simple explanation. I'll go back now and find her there. All apologies. Now,
2: you call me the minute you get there, will
1: you, Peter? I, yeah, I will, but I'm sure there's nothing to worry about. I wish that I could have really believed what I told Lois's mother. I went back to her apartment, but there was still no sign of her. I decided I'd better go to the police. So as much as I disliked the idea I found myself talking to a sergeant in the 22nd precinct. Mr. Carlson there are no accident or hospital reports on any woman of the age and description you give of your fiance. Well thank the lord for that. Uh, what do I do now? You got two choices. Either you can make out a report for the missing persons bureau or you can sit tight. Sit tight? Mm-hmm. What do you mean do nothing? I've seen too many guys like you end up looking foolish. I don't, I don't get that, I don't get it. (laughs) Neither did any of the others. I've given up trying to figure out women, but they do have the privilege of changing their minds. And in my experience, an awful lot of them abuse that privilege. You're telling me that Lois has changed her mind about marrying me? Could be. (laughs) No, it couldn't. Look, I, I know this girl we didn't just meet last week. I love her and I know she loves me. Now, something's happened, and I want to find out what. Okay, pal. That's your privilege. All I ask is that you think about what's going to happen. If you fill out a missing persons report, and then it turns out that either she wanted to be missing, or she doesn't want to get married and hasn't the guts to face yours, or... or... what? Ah, Skipper. It. It'll only make you more angry. Look, Sergeant... I realize you've seen a lot of guys who've made a mistake about how much their girls love them, but you don't know Lois. She's she's different, I know. Uh-huh. Still, you don't know where she is, and she skipped, so... No, never. No, no, no. She'd never leave her goldfish to die. Gold, goldfish. That's a new one. What a goldfish got to do with it. Oh, I forgot to tell you. She she has a beautiful and an expensive aquarium in her living room. Ah, so, filled with fish, you have to be fed to stay alive, and no matter how she felt about me, she'd never forget the goldfish. Yeah. Look, pal, you got a problem. Make up your mind what you want to do, and do it. I've got other things to do. That was Friday night. On Saturday, Lois was still missing. I had my hands full trying to calm Mrs. Free and Lois' father, and... I went back to the police precinct and reported her missing. Well, then there was nothing for me to do but go home and wait for the phone to ring. I was sure it wouldn't, but I was wrong. Hello? Lois?
2: No, Pete. I'm sorry.
1: Oh, oh, Mrs. Free. Uh, How are you?
2: Just fine, thank you.
1: You're fine?
2: I've heard from Lois. She's all right.
1: Well, where is she? Uh, Why didn't she call me?
2: She didn't. Oh, my, that's strange. I got the impression that you knew something I didn't know.
1: Mrs. Free, at this point, I don't know what's going on. I I haven't heard a word. What did she say?
2: Well, that she's all right and not to worry.
1: Did she say when she'd be home? Not definitely,
2: but she said soon.
1: Uh, and you were satisfied with that?
2: Peter, I called because I wanted you to stop worrying. Please
1: believe me. Lois is fine. Well, uh, that's great news, Mrs. Free. Um, You tell me Lois is fine and you're fine, but I'm not. That's
2: why I called, to reassure you. Don't you believe
1: me? I'll tell you what I believe, Mrs. Free. There is something going on that I don't know about. And nothing is going to stop me from finding out. I spent the rest of Saturday night thinking and decided to pay another visit to the police precinct and talk to the sergeant I'd spoken with the first time. Naturally, he wasn't on duty on Sunday, so I spent the rest of the day telephoning all of Lois' friends. None of them had heard from her. I decided to take Monday off. Bright and early, I was back at the precinct. Good morning, Mr. Carlson. I have a report from missing persons. They've been to your girl's apartment, found everything in apple pie order... Some clothes missing. Absolutely no violence indicated and... And they got in touch with her parents and were told that she's fine. Yeah, that's about it. I'm sorry, but you might as well face it. Uh Uh-huh. And what will the police do about it? Come on, pal. What can we do? There's been no crime, no evidence of abduction. Everything we know points to the fact that the girl just took off. Missing persons checked with her employer. Yes, I did too, and they told me she took an indefinite leave of absence. Well, you got to admit, it looks as if she knew she was going somewhere, and if she wanted you to know, she'd have told you. That's, That's certainly the way it looks. But things are not always the way they look. I felt as if a wall of glass surrounded me and separated me from the rest of the world. I could see and even hear what was going on, but I couldn't reach out and touch anyone. Not enough to convince them I was right. I suddenly found myself outside Lois' apartment building. I thought, I got nothing to lose. And I went to the superintendent's apartment. Miss Free is still not in her apartment. Yes, I know that, Mr. Horstman. I just want to ask you if you'll lend me the passkey. But you know I am not allowed to do that. Well, you can come up with me if you like and watch. I do not have the time for that, Mr. Carlson. <laughs> Miss Free might have left me a note or something. You know, something to tell me where she is.
0: I, 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 I really
1: should not give you the key. Oh, come on, Mr. Horstman. I give you my word I won't tell a soul. Not even Miss Free. Now, that's a solemn promise. Well...
0: Now, you bring it back
2: soon.
1: Thanks a million. I won't be more than half an hour. As I went up to Lois's apartment, I really had no idea what I was going to look for. And I couldn't conceive how it could possibly take me more than half an hour. But I changed my mind when I opened the door and I saw a young man standing over the aquarium at one side of the living room. I stopped, completely flabbergasted. Hello. What are you doing here? Obviously, feeding the fish. I promised Lois I'd take care of them. Who are you? Uh, you must be Peter Carlson. I was meaning to give you a call. I, I apologize. Uh, it's accepted, but mm-hmm. I, I asked you your name. Oh, uh, Leonard Gray. Most people call me Len. You know Lois? Oh, for years. Went to high school back in Woonsocket together, then we sort of lost touch till recently. Uh Uh-huh. And Lois asked you rather than me to feed the fish? Mm, Well, you see, since she was going away for a while to think over her forthcoming marriage, she felt she could hardly ask you to do her any favors. That's a lie. What have you done with Lois? nobody has done anything with or to your girl. She's perfectly safe and well. You, um, you don't believe me? I'll believe you if I can talk to her and hear her tell me that. I'm sorry, that's not possible. Why not? Use your head, Carlson. If she went away trying to make up her mind about you, she wants to think it through for herself. You're the last person in the world she wants to talk to. You say you lost touch with Lois after she left high school. Where did you go to college? Georgetown. Oh. And Lois went to Wheaton. Oh, come on, pal. That's the oldest trick in the world. We both know she went to Brown. Who was her best friend at Brown? Now, look. I'm doing her a favor. I'm I'm happy to help her out, but it doesn't include a cross-examination from you. I've told you the truth, and I'm through answering questions. You told me a pack of lies, and if you're through answering my questions, maybe the police will have a few for you. And if they don't, there's always the FBI. And... If you try to leave, you'll have a scrap on your hands. You've already been to the police. It didn't do you much good. How the devil do you know I've been to the police? Let me give you another suggestion. I'll call Lois's mother. If she doesn't check me out, you can call the cops or even the president.
0: Ah, sweet mystery of life goes the opening line of a famous old song. But in my experience, most mysteries turn sinister rather than sweet. It would most certainly appear that Peter Carlson's fiancée has gotten involved with something with sinister overtones. We'll find out more when we continue with Act Two shortly. and S.O.S. are two of the most terrifying cries for help in the lexicon of distress signals. But as chilling as it may be to be forced to send out either of these distress calls, you still have the comfort of knowing that if someone hears them, help will be on the way. I ask you then, how much more terrible is it to send out a cry for help and realize that no one is going to answer? That is about the situation that Peter Carlson finds himself in as he visits the mother of the girl he loves. Mrs. Free,
2: what's happened? Everyone's tried to tell you, but you don't want to believe any of us.
1: We always used to be able to level with each other. Well, nothing's happened to change that, Peter. Oh, okay, then you won't mind if I ask you a few questions.
2: Well, not as long as I have the answers.
1: Oh, you have the answers, all right. Now, first, how long... Have Lois and I been talking about marriage?
2: Well, I don't know exactly. Sometime, I'm sure.
1: Uh, would you say at least a year?
2: Hmm, I suppose. About that. Hmm.
1: And in all that time, did you
2: ever hear her express
1: any doubts? I mean, uh, the slightest indication of uncertainty about the idea of marrying me?
2: Peter, this isn't doing either of us any good. You just have to accept the fact that Lois has gone away for a while. And who's and Leonard he... Gray? An old friend.
1: Well, Lois never mentioned him to me. But we've had no secrets from each other until now. Please, Mrs. Free, tell me the truth. You know there's something being kept from me. At least at least tell me what it is and why Lois feels I can't be trusted. Now, you mustn't
2: think that. It... Oh, Peter, please. Please take my word that everything will work out in due course. Now, and how long is due course? Well, I'm sorry. I don't know.
1: Well, it seemed I had reached another dead end. And then I had a brainstorm. My old roommate from college was a reporter on a newspaper. I decided to call him and give him the story. I figured if they'd print it, I'd get some action. I did, but not the kind I expected. When I got back to my place the next day, Leonard Gray was waiting for me. Come on in, Carlson. I found your liquor cabinet, but I didn't want to help myself without your permission. Oh, you didn't think twice about breaking into my apartment? That was a necessity. Uh, If you'll examine the lock, you'll see I didn't break in. Don't tell me I gave you the key. Let's cut the small talk. You know, you're turning out to be a real problem. I'm glad to hear it. You really shouldn't have talked to your friend at the paper. The press doesn't like people like us much. They love to make problems for people anyway. Just who are people like us. Let's say I'm working for the government. (laughs) Let's say I'm from Mars, Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Here's my identification. So, so just what department of the government are you with? You don't need to know that. You at least know that I'm not a thug and that Lois isn't in any danger. But she can't stay in her apartment or tell me where she is. Now you've got it. No, I don't. Look, you say you're working for the government and and you do have identification. What kind of work could Lois possibly do for you? Something that might turn out to be of great value to this country. Oh, come off it. Obviously, you're connected with some intelligence department, but there's nothing that Lois could do to help you. She's not the type to become a secret agent. You evidently don't know the girl you're going to marry very well you trying to tell me that you're using Lois as some kind of spy? All I'm saying is that she's doing some very important work for us. So important that I can't tell you what it is. Because I have no need to know. Carlson, I'm asking you to go along with us. I've told you all I can, and you'll have to be satisfied. Well, I'm not, and I won't be. I can't say that I'm happy with the way this Lois Free operation is being handled, Lenny. I agree with you, sir, but I I don't see what else we could have done. Well, Weren't we supposed to have notified the mother, Mrs. Free, before she ever got a call from Carlson? Yes, sir. Uh, that is, Lois was going to call her, but you remember we didn't know exactly when we would get the photographs? When we called and told Lois we needed her immediately, she'd already told her mother she was going out that night with Carlson. She asked us to handle it. Well, why didn't you? Well, I, I did, but... I had to escort Lois, and by the time I got to the phone, he'd already called. (laughs) He was restless 15 minutes after she didn't show. He's still determined to make waves. What are the chances of throwing a blanket over him until we finish? Without telling him any more than I have? Naturally. Zero. Okay. How much harm can he do? Well, that depends on how long we can keep a muzzle on his reporter friend's editor. Well, you've spoken with him, sir. What, What do you think? I don't like the odds. Even though I assured Derek no drugs were involved, if Carlson keeps talking, some circulation-hungry paper will pick up on it. But it'll be all over the day after tomorrow. Then they'll just look foolish. There's also Grantham to consider. He's already on record as opposing the project, and if any story breaks, no matter how wild or false, he's sure to point to it as being detrimental. And he'll have something on his side. We could, um, arrange to see that Carlson keeps quiet for a couple of days. If you're suggesting what I think, forget it. That would only trigger a really big blow-up from the press. Maybe we should have let Carlson in from the beginning. Well, that's hindsight. The less people who know about this, the better. Whether it's a success or a failure. Then we have to consider Lois. She's been asking about Carlson. I've been stalling, so maybe it would be best if we took him in. That would probably upset her. And that's the last thing we want to do. Because she has to be 100% composed for this thing to have a chance. Well, it's up to you, sir. Let's sleep on it. I'll, uh, make my decision tomorrow. I had an appointment with Jeff Leeson, my reporter friend, early before I went to work. And I was just about to leave when my door buzzer sounded. Good morning. Oh, it's you. (laughs) I thought you'd use your key. Oh, no need. I knew you were in. Yeah, then you also know that I'm going out. And probably where. Right. But I think you're going to change your mind. Not unless you've something better to offer. Who would you rather see? Your friend Jeff Leeson or Lois? You really mean I can see Lois and talk with her? You can. Only
0: there are two conditions.
1: (laughs) I knew there had to be a catch. Mm -hmm, No catch. First, you'll have to have the day off. That's no problem. And you'll have to sign some papers swearing you to absolute secrecy. All right, if I see Lois, I promise. Okay. Let's go. Gray had a limousine waiting downstairs. Very discreet. I don't know whether people could see in, but I surely couldn't see out, and there was a similar glass screen between me and the driver. Gray told me to make myself comfortable because we had a bit of a drive. At first, I was too excited at the thought of actually seeing Lois to do anything but think about her. And then I finally fell asleep. I don't know how long it was before Gray nudged me awake. Carlson. Carlson! Wake up. Uh, I'm, I'm up. I'm up. Where are we? Almost there. Now, listen. It is very important that you don't upset Lois. Upset her? <laughs> Why would her seeing me upset her? I don't know, but my boss's neck is on the block for bringing you here. After you talk to Lois and find out what she's being asked to do, then you'll understand why it is important her mind be perfectly clear. All I saw as Gray hustled me out of the car was that we were at some sort of large farmhouse. Then I was taken into an office and told to wait. After about five minutes, the door opened. And Gray brought Lois in. I uh, guess you two would like to be alone. I'd appreciate it, Carlson, if you'd remember the favor I asked.
2: Oh, darling. Darling, I'm so sorry. They told me how upset you've been. I never dreamed... It.
1: Okay, none of it was your fault. Oh, I
2: was stupid to believe them when they told me they'd take care of everything. Well,
1: they tried, and they did bring me here to see you.
2: That favor Len Gray mentioned just before he left, that was to ask you not to say anything to upset me, wasn't it?
1: How did you know that?
2: Oh, I just figured it out. It only stands to reason. Are you going to tell me what you're doing with these people? They said I could. Well? Oh, dear. dear. This is going to be difficult.
1: Oh, no, you're not going to tell me you've been leading a double life and you're some kind of Mata Hari, are you? Oh,
2: Oh, I do love you, Peter. I knew you were a romantic the minute I met you.
1: I love you, too, but I've been told I didn't know very much about the girl I love, and it seems that's true. Oh, no,
2: darling. You know everything about me.
1: Except how you landed in this place.
2: Well, simply because of this special little knack I have.
1: What little Mac?
2: Special insights about people and things and objects. I I sort of see things that other people can't.
1: Oh, boy, the girl with the crystal ball. Huh?
2: You mean you're one of those people who claim they have the gift of prophecy? Oh, no. I told you this was going to be difficult. Look, look, darling. You, you've heard of ESP, haven't you? Of course. Well, do you believe that some people are more sensitive than others? Of course. And that some people are able to tune into other people's thoughts and minds?
1: You mean you can tell what I'm thinking?
2: Mm Mm-hmm, sometimes. How about now? Mm, That's easy. It has nothing to do with ESP.
1: Yeah, well, let's forget about that other stuff for a minute, and you
2: tell me what I'm thinking. Well, you're not too happy with what I've just told you. You're wondering now about how life will be with someone who claims that she knows what you're thinking. You're unsure. And you're disturbed.
1: You're right. You're completely right.
2: Oh, Peter, what I just told you had nothing to do with ESP. I wasn't reading your thoughts. It was just a matter of experience.
1: Well, I don't understand, and I'm angry because you never mentioned it before. I mean, didn't you think it was something I should know?
2: I didn't mention it just because of the experiences I've had. I know how people react, and... Well, I... I guess I was just a little afraid of losing you. Oh, that was silly. Was it? Listen to yourself now.
1: Well, there's a reason for that. Instead of you telling me calmly and reasonably about this, uh... You know, this knack of yours, I... I find out because you're involved in some kind of secret government operation.
2: Oh, Peter, let's stick to one thing at a time. You've said that the idea of my sensing certain things makes you uncomfortable. I understand because that was a lesson I learned as a child.
1: You mean you were born with this, uh... this perception?
2: I believe we're all born with it. Some of us maybe have a larger share than others.
1: When did you find out about it?
2: When I was nine. My mother and dad were entertaining some friends. Well, we were having a dinner and Everyone was just talking, you know, small talk, gossip, nothing really important. And then there, there was this moment of silence, a break in the conversation, and I spoke up innocently with a question. I asked my mother why it was that the husband, um, his name was Larry, didn't like Claire. Um, she was his wife. Oh, I remember the moment of icy silence that followed my question i was scolded told to leave the table and go to bed Mm,
1: i should think so but why did you ask such a crazy question anyway
2: three months later larry and claire got a divorce wow Mm. after a few of these embarrassing incidents i learned that this gift wasn't appreciated so i just kept quiet about it
1: i see yeah but how did you get here i mean with the government
2: They think they can use this gift of mine to help them find out things they need to know. Things that other governments want to keep secret.
0: I don't think that anyone would find living with someone who knew your every secret thought a pleasant or even tolerable situation. However, it's been said that love conquers all obstacles, and perhaps if your wife or husband only knew what you were thinking some of the time, it might work out. That is, if your mate picked the right times. We'll be back shortly with a final act. (laughs) To believe in ESP or not to believe in ESP is a question that's agitating the minds of millions of people in the world today. The idea that certain people have developed powers of perception is well accepted. There's solid evidence to prove that spy masters have been doing a good deal of research in the use of just such people. But how would they be used? That's the question that troubled Peter Carlson put to his fiancée Lois Free. I think I could get used to the idea that you have some sort of extrasensory
1: perception, but I'm still baffled by what you're doing here in this secret government operation. Surely they don't expect you to read the minds of various heads of states of other countries.
2: <laughs> of course not. You see, I, I wasn't exactly telling the truth when I said that I kept this gift hidden after I found out how people reacted.
1: Well, this has really turned out to be a day for revelations.
2: When I went to Brown University, my roommate and I were complete strangers. We knew we had to get along, so I offered to help her unpack. And while we were putting some of her things away, I picked up a brooch from her jewelry case, found myself saying, "I'm sorry your mother died when you were so young, but it's nice the way your father and you handled it."
1: And you got all that just from handling her brooch?
2: It was her mother's.
1: She was astonished.
2: And then, at parties, I found that it was a great game to play. Helen, uh, my roommate, wanted me to show off, and I enjoyed it. Until until I struck a couple of bad ones. Things that really bothered me, and I I didn't know what to say. People pressed me, and it was then I, I decided to give it all up.
1: Well, how did these people find out about you?
2: From Helen. She works here in Washington. Well, what do they expect from you? I mean, how are you going to help them? I don't know that I can. But if you've been reading the papers, you must have noticed that there's been a lot of experiments conducted by almost all nations with ESP. Trying to use it on people, in intelligence.
1: Yes, I vaguely remember something of the sort, and if I knew then what I know now about you, I'd I'd have read it more carefully.
2: Well, about six months ago, Len Gray called me. Told me that Helen had given him my name. He asked me to go down to Washington and take a test.
1: Ah, and that's when you told me the company was sending you to the coast for a few days.
2: Mm. And he also made me promise not to tell anybody.
1: Well, evidently you passed.
2: Well, they didn't say anything right away. There were about a dozen of us. They just thanked each of us and said we could go back home. Honestly, Peter, I forgot all about it until a few weeks ago when Len called and said that I was one of the three people they wanted to continue testing.
1: You mean this is something I'm going to have to live with for the rest of my life? I mean, that they'll call you up and suddenly you'll disappear? Oh,
2: no. I, I really don't know what's going to happen because... You see, Len's boss and another important man in the department don't see eye to eye about this. All I know is that tomorrow is very important. They want me to look at some pictures they've just gotten.
1: Well, if they've got pictures, then why do they need you? Oh,
2: Peter, darling, i i told you everything I know. Oh, look, I'll be home the day after tomorrow. We can talk some more.
1: Well, I don't know. I think we ought to thrash this thing out right
2: now. Oh, but, Peter, it'll be so much better if we each have some time to think. I'm sure this has upset you, and I can understand it, but, but I... But meanwhile, I'm supposed to trot back to New York like a
1: good little doggie and sit around wondering whether I should start writing a book titled My Wife the Spy. You're not keeping your promise, Mr. Carlson. What? What are you talking about? You agreed you wouldn't say anything to upset her, remember? Sure, but how did you know we... You've had us bugged. You've been listening. They had me driven back to New York, and by the time I got to my apartment, I'd calmed down a little while. I was still angry that they bugged our conversation, but I was more concerned about Lois and what she was going to do tomorrow. I wondered just how it worked, and in my mind, I tried to picture the scene. All right, Bill... I'm here. Where's your star performer? We thought we'd all better get our signals straight before we have her brought in, Grantham. Well, I told you when you started this ESP hocus-pocus what I thought of it. And If you can prove to me that it works, that the information obtained can be trusted, I'm with you all the way. But until then... I'll stick to my own opinion. This is a whole new area in our intelligence, and it's very delicate. Now, look, I have a two o'clock appointment. If you're going to lecture... We me know up. the Russians have been experimenting for a long time, and... The... And so far, they've come up with zilch. Well, we're not absolutely sure, Grantham. If there is anything to it, it depends entirely upon the impressions on the mind of the subject we're using. I know, I know. And all I'm asking is that you don't do anything to disturb her thought processes. You know, I can't help thinking of those phony seances they show in the movies on TV where the medium says she can't get through because there's someone in the room who doesn't believe. All we ask is for you to keep your skepticism within bounds. Miss Free already knows you don't believe. Mm. Does that mean I'm not to ask her any questions? No, no, not at all. Just try to keep them neutral. seeking for information. Don't adopt an adversary position. Okay. Put the photographs on the table and bring her along. Now, Lois, you already know Mr. Grantham. Here's what we want you to do. First, sit down and make yourself comfortable at that table where those pictures are. Thank you. Now, would it bother you if we sat around the table with you? Or would you prefer that we leave you alone with the photos?
2: Either way is fine with me.
1: Well, then why don't we all sit at the table? Go ahead, Bill. Now, these uh, these photographs were taken at very high altitudes. And as you can see, they show a variety of irregular patterns and elevations. Nothing very distinctive. We would like you to pick them up Feel them. Do anything you want and just give us your impressions, what you see in your mind's eye. Mm,
2: I understand. Oh, there are quite a few of them. Mm -hmm. Is there any particular one you'd like me to begin with?
1: Why not the one that says the most to you, Miss Free?
2: All right. Uh, I think these were all taken at about the same time. Even though they appear different, they're they're all of the same place.
1: As anyone can tell, it is by looking at them. But she's not looking at them, Grantham. She's just touching them. Her eyes are closed.
2: I see machinery. Quite a lot of machinery. And tunnels. No, not tunnels. Well, more like underground passages and lights and machinery. Sorry if I don't seem to be making any sense.
1: Do you have any idea what kind of machinery, Lois?
2: Let me see. Oh, definitely some very large things. Uh, Computers. Yes, computers. But there are other things. I feel a lot of activity. Men, women. Working on papers.
0: (laughs) You, uh... See
2: something funny? I'm sorry. It's silly. But I see a lot of letters. Like a crazy mixed up alphabet.
1: Do you see the letters clearly enough to spell them out?
2: Uh, some of them.
1: Can we hear them?
2: I can't be quite sure, but... This is the way they shape up in my mind. C-L-F-A-T-P-X... B R I'm afraid that's all I I get for now
1: You mean you might get more another time?
2: I can't be sure, but it's possible Mm
1: -hmm. Well then why don't you rest in your room and we'll see you back here in an hour I still say if she guessed computers then we can throw out most of the other stuff because it's only natural that where there are computers, there are people and papers. And underground passages. Oh, that could have been picked up and indicated by the pictures. And the scrambled alphabet. Well, yeah. now that, uh, the code gibberish, is the only thing that makes me doubt my own theories. Mm-hmm. I suggest we have her back in and see if she's picked up on anything more like that. And if she has? Then we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Feel like having another try at the pictures, Lois?
2: Anything you say.
1: Fine. List still on the table.
2: I still get the same impression. Except now I just see empty spaces. Oh, it's the sky. Uh, I'm sorry. That's about all I'm getting.
1: Uh, Miss Free, would you do me a favor?
2: Of course.
1: Uh, pick up the photograph, marked number five. Fine. Now, there, uh, without any extrasensory perception, you can see a building. It's it's definitely a building. Could you, using your powers, tell us something about that building? I'll try. Fine.
2: I... Uh, I'm not getting anything clearly.
1: Well, how about vaguely? Any impression at all?
2: Well, it's, it's difficult. It seems to be... More than one floor, and then again, oh, I don't. Oh, yes, I. I think I have it. It's used to house some of the men and women that I saw in the underground passages. Hmm.
1: Thank you very much. Mr. Gray will drive you back to the city whenever you're ready. Grantham, I think we should give Miss Free our sincere thanks for her time and effort. Oh, of course. I didn't mean to be rude.
2: It's been... well, different. Goodbye. Bye, Miss Free. I enjoyed meeting all of you. Now, Bill,
1: you can say what you intended to say when I interrupted you. All I ask is, do you think we cut it off a trifle too soon? No way. We were all out in cuckoo land till she said that building was used to house personnel. That's one fact we know. That building is an old, unused barn.
2: What do you mean they
0: threw you out?
2: Well, that's a little bit of an exaggeration. Uh, But I I must say, I felt I was given the most gentlemanly bum's rush in history. They are
1: fools. What do they know? Oh, Peter,
2: darling, it's all over. I thought that was what you wanted.
1: Well, they scared the living daylights out of me and disrupted our lives, and then they threw you out like yesterday's newspaper. I mean, it riles me to have you treated that way.
2: Well, they did say thank you. It's nothing to fret about. Oh, come on, let's start talking about our marriage plans. Unless you've changed your mind.
1: No, no, not on your life. No, I'd rather be married to you, with or without ESP, than any other girl in the whole world. Oh,
2: Peter, that's the most wonderful thing you ever said to me.
1: <laughs> oh, you ain't heard nothing yet. <laughs> hey, when are we go on our honeymoon? Hey, hmm? that reminds me. I know we can't have a cat because of your fish, but I do insist on maybe a very large dog.
2: Of course, darling. I love that. Peter, that's it. You clued me in. On what? On what that building in the picture was. The answer I gave that turned everything around. See, I should have trusted my feelings. When I held the picture, the only thing that came to my mind was animals. And I thought that was ridiculous. But now I know what it was. It was a barn.
1: And what did you tell them?
2: I said I thought it was used as a building to house people. Do you think maybe I should call and tell them about my mistake?
1: Lois, come here.
2: Did you hear what I asked you? What, what do
1: you think I should do? Forget
0: it. It occurs to me that if there really is something to the theory of being able to use people with extrasensory perception to ferret out intelligence secrets without having to leave their own country on dangerous missions, whatever will happen to people like James Bond? Speaking as a reader, I, for one, will miss him. I'll be back shortly. Most of us have heard about the experiments in ESP being conducted at Duke University by Professor Ryan. But perhaps you all aren't up to date on the latest results of tests done with decks of cards and the success of people in naming the card that's to come up next. Just to keep you abreast of those things, let me tell you that the persons tested who were supposed to have ESP came out a shade better than the law of chance. Our cast included Tony Roberts, E.V. Jester, Russell Horton, and Nat Poland. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown.